African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. It's Tuesday, the 9th of February, 2016. Thank you for joining us right here on our frequency, 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV on Channel 102. Thank you for joining us also on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're going to be crossing live to the mining in Daba taking place in Cape Town, South Africa. We're going to get into the action and look at the mining industry in South Africa and uh, maybe look into the rest of the continent as well. Uh, but it's time right now for us to move on and get our news. A look at your headlines this morning. The much-anticipated constitutional court case relating to the non-security upgrades at South Africa's President Jacob Zuma's Nkandla home and the powers of the public protector is underway. French investigators to probe new allegations by young children of sexual abuse by French soldiers in the Central African Republic. And human rights and civil society activists want President Peter Motareka to declare a state of disaster as the prevailing food crisis affects Malawians. Looking at your latest news, the constitutional court case relating to the non-security upgrades at South Africa's President Jacob Zuma's Nkandla home and the powers of the public protector is underway. The marathon hearing before the highest court in the land is expected to settle the dispute over whether Zuma is obliged to pay back money for non-security features at his private home in Nkandla in KwaZulu-Natal province. Busi Chumomba has more. The length of time the constitutional court will sit today is expected to be far longer than its usual deadline of 4 p.m. Submissions from seven legal teams are scheduled. These include the DA, EFF, President Jacob Zuma, Police Minister Natim Tetra, the Speaker of the National Assembly, the Public Protector, and NGO Corruption Watch that has been admitted as a friend of the court. First up was the EFF legal team, with each party thereafter being given 10 minutes to make its case. South Africa's opposition party, meanwhile, the EFF, says its march to the Constitutional Court is not personally against President Jacob Zuma, but rather a defense of democracy. EFF members are marching to the highest court in the country ahead of the hearing on the powers of the public protector. The EFF wants the court to compel Zuma to imp- implement Tulima Donzela's recommendations regarding upgrades at his private home in Nkandla. EFF spokesperson Boisen Inklozi. President Zuma is not an individual. He's an institution called the executive that has a lot of power. 
and it is uh, this executive that has defied the public protector's remedial action without going to a court of law. But we are also profiling a broader struggle against corruption, which includes Gupta family. A single family is trying to capture the only heritage for black people that comes out of the liberation struggle, and that is the state. French investigators will probe new allegations by young children of sexual abuse by French soldiers in the Central African Republic. The CIR is struggling to recover from a cycle of sectarian violence that exploded after a 2013 coup. International peacekeeping efforts have been undermined by a string of sex abuse claims. Last month, a hard-hitting report found the United Nations had grossly mishandled allegations of child sex abuse in CIR. UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon fired the head of the force last year, but the claims continue to surface. African forces have begun a U.S.-led counterterrorism training program in Senegal amid what the U.S. says are rising signs of collaborations between Islamist militant groups across North Africa and the Sahel region. The annual flintlock exercises started only weeks after an attack in Burkina Faso's capital, Ogadougou, left 30 people dead. The U.S. says increased collaborations between militant groups mean they are able to strengthen and strike harder in the region. And finally, with the prevailing food crisis affecting Malawians, human rights and civil society activists want President Peter Motareka to declare a state of disaster to attract donor support. The call comes amid news that 2.8 million Malawians out of the UN estimated 16 million populations are in dire need of food aid. George Mango reports. George Kampoundi, a human rights commentator, advises government to ensure that Malawians are given full aid as it is a human rights issue. Capitol Hill says it is working 24-7 to address the problem. Malawi faces acute food shortage due to floods experienced last growing season. The floods were the worst in Malawi's history, forcing President Peter Mutarika to declare a state of disaster. Now recapping on your top stories, the much-anticipated constitutional court case relating to the non-security upgrades at South Africa's President Jacob Zuma's Nkandla home and the powers of the public protector is underway. French investigators to probe new allegations by young children of sexual abuse by French soldiers in the Central African Republic and human rights and civil society activists want President Peter Mutareka to declare a state of disaster as the prevailing food crisis affects Malawians. Channel African News. Hello, listener. Join Channel Africa in celebrating its 50th anniversary. Channel Africa is turning 50 in May this year. Join us as we move through memories of this station since 1966. Send us your contact number to include your memories in our celebrations. 
Email your contacts to info at channelafrica.org or write to us at Channel Africa PO Box 913103 Auckland Park, Johannesburg 2006. You can also SMS to plus 27 82332 Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Can you believe that uh, Channel Africa has been around for so long? It's fantastic that uh, we're seeing uh, this anniversary taking place uh, this year. It's going to be a big celebration later into the year. Well, today we're looking at uh, the issue of uh, the mining in Daba. It's the 22nd mining in Daba, which is currently underway in the mother city, Cape Town, under the theme Investing in Africa. The event is an annual professional conference dedicated to the capitalization and development of mining interests in Africa and it's uh, also the world's largest uh, mining investment event so a whole lot of Africa is there in Cape Town. The event offers mining houses and governments to share insight into how the sector can drive investment and also uh, have more opportunities available to Africa's mining sector. Now we're joined by uh, Ross Harvey who is a senior researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs. Thank you for joining us on our program Ross? Yes, good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Right now, let's look at what came about yesterday. It seems to be on the newspapers that the focus is on the new mineral resources ministers, Musebenzi Zwane's uh, uh, speech yesterday. We looked at some of the challenges, really referring to uh, uh, looking at uh, the regulatory uncertainty, the unsettled uh, labor environment and corruption or favoritism in his department. So it seemed like a very gloomy, gloomy start, as everyone is saying. I'm looking at the business day, which highlights Zwane disappoints at Gloomy in Daba. Uh, your, your thoughts around his speech and his sentiments? Yeah, so, you know, newspapers have a job to do and uh, gloomy headlines sell. Um, and so I think you have to take the headline with a, a pinch of salt. Uh, in other words, I don't think that Minister Zwane's speech was as gloomy as, uh, as the headline or the article suggests. Mm. However, I do think that the minister possibly missed an opportunity uh, regarding what he could have told the industry. Uh, in other words, there was this promise of regulatory certainty. Uh, he acknowledged right up front that this is an issue uh, for which he is to be commended. However, it has been acknowledged as an issue since at least 2010 when uh, the uh, uncertainty in the legislation that had to be addressed. The subsequent sets of amendments that have come through Parliament uh, since then, none of those additional ambiguities or uh, loopholes and processes have actually been fully addressed. And so I think it would have served the minister well would have been if he were to be uh, a lot more specific about exactly what was going to be addressed. Section 9, uh, which is now Section 5 of the Mineral and Petroleum Resources Development Amendment Bill, looking at how mining rights are allocated, uh, would now be resolved. But in some cases... 
uh, have uh, a rental auction system, mm. that would be fine, provided those conditions were actually listed. Uh, and then moreover, the uh, the emphasis on beneficiation, sections 26 and 36, uh, that, that still came out. So the minister used this phrase uh, that industrialization would happen through beneficiation. Mm. And that sends a signal to investors that makes them feel very uncertain because the exact stipulations and the conditions under which that beneficiation is conceived to occur hasn't been made clear. Uh, and so all investors are left with after yesterday's speech is a promise that the regulatory environment will be cleaned up and sorted out by the second quarter of this year. Mm. But with no details to work with, uh, sure. I think investors are probably going to leave the, the endowment going, mm, I'm not quite sure mm. that we have fully been heard on this. So let me move on to Deputy Minister of South Africa and of the Department of Mineral Sources, Godfrey Oliphant. Deputy Minister, thank you for giving us your time. I know you have a busy schedule, but thank you for being part of uh, uh, Channel Africa's program, African Dialogue, today. Let's look at uh, the issues that were highlighted uh, just by uh, Ross Harvey, Minister, in terms of looking at uh, the issue of seems to be a lot of loopholes that were highlighted, uh, still things that need to be done. We were talking about the Mineral and Petroleum Development Act and also looking at the Mining Charter. What were your thoughts around uh, uh, Mr. Zwane's uh, speech yesterday? Did he actually take advantage of the moment? I think he did. And good morning to you and the listeners of Channel uh, Africa and all the other participants. You see, uh, Minister Zwani did what he could do under the circumstances to explain our landscape in South Africa and the mining landscape and what should be done. Are we still together? Yeah, I'm still with you. I'm listening to you very clearly. You sound very clear. He he did his best to do that. And uh, also, I didn't get clearly what the other uh, gentleman was saying, but I picked up here and there. The issues that he's raising about uh, regulatory certainty... It's a matter that I think we can debate forever. Mm, mm. But the reality is that there is mm. a bill that is still in Parliament that will be sorted out and settled, hopefully, uh, before the end of the next quarter. That's what we are gunning for. But it's real. Let me just explain again what the issues are. The President sent this law back on two counts of uh, procedural and the two counts of uh, substantive issues raised. The substantive issues raised whether the amendments that the SDR would, uh, would be able to pass the constitutional master and how does that impact on our international obligations, especially on the issues that he was raising about beneficiation, which I'll return to. The second matters were really procedural issues relating to consultation, where some communities and traditional leaders were feeling that they were not consulted. We accept all that and we've got to correct it. But there is another matter that came uh, that was not part of what the president suggested, which is where there is a lobby for the bill on to be separated. I mean, where you have oil and gas on the one hand and minerals on the other. The constitution provides that you only do what the president asked you to do. But also you can't ignore other factors that are coming out. How do we deal with it? I think that has been part of the delay as to try and finding a solution here mm. because if you deal with one and leave the other, you are still going to come back to this regulatory uncertainty mantra. Mm. Mm. 
I call it a mantra because even before these amendments, when you travel, when you meet investors and other commentators, they still talk about, spoke about regulatory uncertainty. But, you know, we've been having this piece of legislation for 10 years without really amending it any way in a significant way. Mm. But even what that people are saying, regulatory uncertainty. So mm. we should disabuse ourselves of just mentioning this as a scarecrow and so on because I, we appreciate the sentiment of investors and we've met with them. Some of them were really saying, let's do something comprehensive, let's do this and so on. Mm. Once we meet on the other hand and they raise this matter, you hear in the public domain, uh, you know, we have regulatory uncertainty. Mm. But serious investors in this country, I said, here in this country, seeing what level of investment has gone into development of mines, new mines, and so on. It's happening as we speak, big time. Well, I'll so come back to that. Investors, sure. Sure. Serious investors are really not just talking there, they are doing. Sure. I'll so come back. Able to Deputy Minister, I have to take a quick should, break. We should. I have to take a quick okay, break. I'll okay. come back to you, some of those issues that you're highlighting there. And uh, yeah. I'll come back to also Ross to deal with some of the issues there. Because the, the scarecrow that you're talking about, does it actually look at the contention over state ownership of minerals? Because that seems to be where the sensitive issue is. Uh, you're listening to uh, African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. The 22nd mining in Daba is currently underway in Cape Town. And it has about 6,000 delegates who are right there at the convention center in uh, Cape Town in the city there. So a lot of conversations are happening. So give us your thoughts ab- around the issue of uh, mining. Maybe you want to contribute to this conversation. Give us your thoughts on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Welcome to Africa Midday. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views and great African entertainment. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Hello, listener. Join Channel Africa in celebrating its 50th anniversary. Channel Africa is turning 50 in May this year. Join us as we move through memories of this station since 1966. Send us your contact number to include your memories in our celebrations. Email your contact to info at channelafrica.org or write to us at Channel Africa PO Box 913-103 Auckland Park, Johannesburg 2006. You can also SMS to plus 27 8233259905. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. 
Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance on African Dialogue. We're actually uh, broadcasting into uh, uh, Cape Town today, mining in double. We're actually joined by the S- South Africa's uh, uh, Deputy Minister, Godfrey Oliphant, from the Department of Mineral Resources. We also have Ross Harvey, who's a senior researcher from the South African Institute of International Affairs. Uh, we're looking at what's happening there in terms of the discussions. It seems investment in South Africa. Africa has been a big discussion yesterday and uh, we've been looking at South Africa specifically. I think it can give us a little bit of, uh, you know, some of the trends that we, we see in the continent, but I know South Africa is a very unique situation here. But uh, let me move on to you, Ross, and maybe you want to respond to some of the issues that were highlighted there by uh, Deputy Minister Godfrey Oliphant. The first Ross, are you there with us? Ross is very Yeah, Ross, I can't really hear you. I don't know if you've moved or you're in a different area. Can you hear us clearly, Ross? I couldn't hear you well. Well, we're struggling with that line, Ross, and um, I'm also struggling. Maybe we'll try reconnect with you. And uh, let, let me come back to you, Deputy Minister uh, Oliphant, since we're having that particular struggle. Let's come back to this issue of the Mineral and Petroleum Development Act, because it seems like everyone is talking about uh, returning it back to Parliament for more deliberations because of the President's concerns. And, and you highlighted briefly about some of the insights of South Africa's President. Is really the contention over state ownership of minerals, or are there more issues that are involved that are concerning the president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma? No, no, no. In, in that, there is no provision that is contested about state ownership in the NPRDA. I, I said earlier that the NPRDA has been the most solid piece of legislation that we have had for 10 years until after the amendments that are not concluded, and we are going to conclude that, you see. So there, there is no issue there. The, the, the one issue that was there that I know that uh, also was debated and might, we might return to is the beneficiation because we are going to do advanced, advanced beneficiation in the country, value addition for Amandra. That is, goes without saying because we've been exploiting raw material, creating jobs in other jurisdictions at the expense of our own here. So we've got to take responsibility as government and ensure that we, we encourage manufacturing, value addition, and so on in the country. So now, with the, with the amendments, they don't, they don't actually include state ownership except a free carry in oil and gas, which happens in other jurisdictions as well. And it's a matter that is not a, mm-hmm. a, a major contention, but it's been debated. Okay, let's... Now, state so, ownership of mining. So state go ahead, Deputy. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. Since apartheid, we've been having state-owned mines in South Africa. And next to the diamond mines is one of them. We've been having a lot of others. I can talk uh, less, but now mm-hmm. we even have African exploration mining and finance corporation that has got its own mine. Mm-hmm. So we're threatening that position, mm-hmm. and it's responsible for us as a country that has got such abundant no, 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 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there is no, mm-hmm. I don't think there is contention about contest about it as well. Yeah, let me it with the industry, and they understand. Sure. Let me take it back to to Ross Harvey to respond to some of your concerns earlier on. Ross, let's see if that line is is, is clearer. Ross, can you hear me? Yeah, Benjamin, can you hear me? Yeah, you're very clear now. You can you can carry on. Ross. Okay, I'm better. All right, thank you. Sorry, um, I I missed some of uh, what the deputy minister said, but uh, firstly, just to thank him for his candor. You know, I think there is 
uh, a full appreciation of the issues that are on the table. But uh, just as a point of clarification, I think that uh, this discourse around uncertainty uh, in the regulations has emanated from the way in which the amendments have been processed. And so mm. what happened is you, you had the 2002 MPRDA enacted in 2004, a set of amendments made in 2008 that passed through Parliament, but then were only enacted a month after amendments to those amendments arrived in Parliament uh, in June 2013. So the uncertainty has arisen not because there isn't an act in place, and the act in place, as I understand it now, is actually the 2008 set of amendments to the 2002 MPRDA. Where the question of uncertainty lies is in exactly what kind of minerals may be declared as strategic, for instance. Now, I know that the Deputy Minister has just acknowledged that the reason why President Zuma sent the bill back to Parliament was because it wasn't clear whether those sections dealing with uh, beneficiation and value addition would actually uh, both pass constitutional muster and whether it would square with WTO regulations. But Regardless of that, that doesn't placate investors who are not sure whether, for instance, if they purchase a platinum mine, mm. whether platinum will be declared as a strategic mineral at some point in the future and whether they will be required to uh, only export a certain percentage of it, what that percentage will actually be. It makes it very difficult to calculate uh, your uh, investment equation right? because you mm. simply don't know uh, what your returns are likely to be. Now, I agree that there's probably too much emphasis uh, being placed on this term uncertainty. I think what investors are looking for is policy predictability and stability, uh, and and yet at the same time, the country is looking to add value. Mm. Now, I think there's a misnomer as well, and, and what we see often uh, you know, within government discourse is that it's not acceptable to extract your iron ore and ship it over to China and then import the refined material back at five times the price. Mm. But our arguments, I mean, in speaking as an economist, uh, it's important to look, for instance, at examples like Mauritius. They didn't add value to their sugar uh, per se, so they, they didn't become a, a sweet-making global hub. But they did place a super tax on sugar profits and they used those revenues to create uh, export processing zones uh, in garments and, mm. and textile manufacturing. So I think that we need to move away from this idea that downstream beneficiation of our raw materials is some kind of development panacea. I think that the horizontal linkages and the upstream linkages are much more important for South Africa. And that's where you, you need to assess where your human capital and physical infrastructure strengths lie and then harness those to add value uh, in whichever way you can, sometimes straight to your sure. minerals, other yeah. times uh, extracting the rent mm, from mm. those minerals and investing them elsewhere uh, so that in the long run your economy is actually not dependent on minerals at all because at some point in the future they're going to run out. Well, let me take um, that so, sure. Let me take yeah. that, that view sure. back to, to the Deputy Minister. I don't know if you heard that, uh, Deputy Minister, but what are your thoughts around some of those sentiments made by Ross? No, no, no. You see, we, we're sitting with many economists in terms of views of Ross, 
that get contested by the other economists. Well. <laughs> sure, sure. But we, 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 it's fine, it's healthy to have these debates. But as Bambot, we've got to take responsibility. We cannot continue to export jobs while we've got Benjamin, so much I, unemployment. I can't hear the minister the at all. Oh, you can't hear the minister at okay. all? Okay. Um, so sorry, again? I just I cannot uh, Okay, sorry, it's it's live radio, so sometimes this does happen. Um, let's see if we can yeah, sort I'm that sorry, out for you, um, and then I'll, I'll see if we can get our producers to sort that out for you. But uh, okay. um, Deputy Minister, try to carry on, and let's see if we can actually uh, clarify that line for for Ross, and see if we can actually get him to hear uh, hear you. But carry on with with your with your views there, uh, Deputy Minister. No, I'm saying as government, we've got to take responsibility and use what we've got, which is our competitive and both competitive advantage, to the benefit of our people. We cannot continue like as of the past to just export jobs elsewhere, whilst we can also create jobs here using value addition as a strength that we've got to use. I mean, a lot of economists have advised us not to do it in the past, but because it works for the current people who are just exporting and actually making a lot of money without bringing value back to the country in most instances. And thus, the law as it stands, Ross must look at Section 26 of the law. It does make provision. It does make provision for the minister to declare certain areas or certain commodities for beneficiation. So it's nothing new. You see, she can do him or she can do it tomorrow if they will want to. But before we do that, we've been talking and negotiating with the mining, with the producers. Like, for instance, if you look into the diamonds, 10% of all diamonds produced in the country must be beneficiated in the country, must cut and polish them. Yes, it's something that we've been doing over the years, etc. We just have to strengthen that part. So it's nothing new in terms of the provisions of the law. The minister can do it with coal, can do it with platinum. A lot of discussions, even in the mining Pakisa process, have gone into this issue of advancing beneficiation. And I think we are meeting each other. The producers and the, bene- the manufacturers mm. and government, we are making strides on this thing. It's not an if, it's a matter of when. Mm. Well, now the issue about, yeah. the issue about uh, Mauritius and their sugar and so on, we don't have sugar here, we've got minerals. You see, so we 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 one of the richest countries in the world. We're actually very rich in terms of our in-situ non-energy minerals. So we can't pretend like we're a small economy mm. that depends on just minerals. You mm. can't downgrade mining. Mm. Mm. Mining has been the backbone of our economy for many sure. years, and we still have another 100 years of mining going forward. Uh. So we can't just be dilly-dally. We've got to take decisions on this matter. Well, I, I want us to move on from this particular issue and move on uh, to how we're going to deal with uh, the environment of the mining sector, especially when it comes to the deterioration of commodity prices and also the low demand of these commodities, especially when we look at uh, the huge conversation going around platinum. But hey, let's look at other forms of minerals, iron and manganese. We're not speaking about these. What's happening with these trends here? And I'll come back to our guests and speak to to them about this moving on to this conversation we've had and i think we've prolonged this part of uh, the conversation i've got the deputy minister of uh, the department of mineral sources on the line godry oliphant it's awesome to have him on the line thank you for making time for us deputy minister we appreciate that and i've got ross harv who's a senior researcher at the south african institute of international affairs i'm going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll be back after this
Thank you. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views, and great African entertainment. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We are crossing live to Cape Town today and uh, we're finding out some of the conversations that are taking place at the mining in Daba. Very heated conversation already, differing views from both of our guests. But I want us to move on from what we've been looking at into the conversation of the very, very much struggling uh, economy, uh, the mining economy in terms of looking at the deterioration of commodity prices and also the demand of uh, these commodities. Ross Harvey, um, let's look at, uh, you know, have we spoken about this uh, uh, mining in Daba, how to actually survive in this current climate? Yeah, so hugely important question, Benjamin. Low commodity prices, uh, a, a massive question around whether some of those commodities will ever actually recover. Uh, and I think you know what you saw in the industry was that while prices were high, there were many players who got into the game who arguably shouldn't have got into the game, chasing higher prices, uh, bringing to production assets which were arguably uh, not of top quality, which were likely to suffer uh, when the commodity price downturn hit, which it invariably did. Uh, and in fact, the the commodity price downturn, uh, you know, obviously hindsight is a, a twenty twenty science. But if you followed China, for instance, uh, around 2010, 2011, uh, and the uh, inauguration of the 12 five-year plan to transition from a manufacturing-led uh, commodity-intensive economy into a more consumption services-driven economy, uh, you'd have been able to foresee just in that alone that demand for commodities like iron ore and coal and manganese were likely to plummet, uh, whereas demand for uh, minerals used in high-end technology products like platinum and copper uh, were likely to gain in, uh, in price in the future. Now, Platinum and, and copper prices have not yet recovered, but I think you could make a reasonable case that those prices will, in fact, recover. And so if, if you wanted to get into this question of strategic minerals, uh, then those are arguably two minerals that should be treated as, as heavily strategic. Um, but what you do then with that strategic mineral, whatever strategy you come up with, has to be clearly communicated. Your question of how companies are going to survive uh, very important, and I don't know. Um, it's, a, it's a huge question around mm-hmm. the Indaba, uh, and I think that most mining companies, certainly Mark Rufani yesterday of Anglo, saying 2016 is going to be even tougher than 2015. Uh, there will be some very tough decisions uh, going ahead. There'll, there will be restructuring. Jobs will be lost. Minister Zwani acknowledged that jobs will be lost. Mm. Um, but again, I, I think that as South Africans, we need to think more creatively than... Uh, expecting that you know some kind of downstream mm. uh, value addition to our mining sector will create jobs. 
you know, it mm. becomes quite an emotive issue. But, I, I, you know, we really need to be looking elsewhere. And, in fact, even if you want to create more jobs around mining and use minerals as the, as the center of a, a cluster for industrialization policy, you need a well-educated workforce with uh, impressive physical infrastructure. Mm. Uh, and South Africa has that more than the rest of the continent has mm. that, uh, certainly in terms of the latter. But... Uh, we, we have to face this question of, of having a seriously undereducated workforce, mm. uh, and that that works against South Africa's investment. Well, that's that's a very interesting sentiment. Looking at the history of mining in South Africa, I'm sure a lot of people will yes, contend absolutely. with that view, Ross. Let me take that to you, Deputy Minister Godfrey Olifant. Your thoughts about around how creative we can be during this very tough time for the industry. No, no, let me start off by saying that we should not just uh, try and stick into the past. In the past 20 years, the the skills and education levels of South Africans, especially black South Africans, have improved significantly. So we cannot start, continue to say there is no skill, education, no, etc. Comparatively, yes, we agree, but in mining, we've got enough skills to be able to continue. We've done a lot of research our engineers, our scientists are tremendous. They've done a lot of uh, world-class uh, type of research and innovation that you can think of. So I'm not uh, sticking to just one place to say we don't have the skills, mm, we don't mm, have mm. this. We've got plenty going forward. That is one. And two, the, the minerals that have not been doing well in this low commodity price environment have been iron ore, coal, platinum, and gold. As we speak, you cannot say the same about gold. Gold is doing well. Platinum is recovering. Coal and iron ore are lagging behind. But please also know that we've got 53 commodities in this country, over 53. Those that we have been quiet about, most of them have been doing very well. So we cannot just talk about things that are in trouble and not talk about those Mm. that are are doing better. Mm. Others have been stabilizing over time. So we are not a country that says, but the reality is that the majors, the major, major companies are in this. Mm. You, see, you get Anglo Gold, you get Anglo Platinum, for instance, you've got Anglo Coal, they are also into iron ore. Mm. But also we must look into the production cost of these big companies as well. Because some of them have still been using their colonial structures where you've got offices in South Africa, in Switzerland, in Germany, etc., etc. To try and service all those is very expensive. We understand that. Because there have been juniors who have been in the same sectors and who have been making a profit because their overheads are very low. So it's a matter that we discussed as well to say how do we cut overheads and so on and so on, but also we've understood the impact on jobs. Mm-hmm. South Africa mm-hmm. was also in this, there, there were about 32,000 jobs under threat that are still are. We've already been able, through our dialogue, to our, our engagement with companies, we've saved uh, 3,000 already and the discussions are continuing. And as the turnaround is coming in some of the commodities, I think we can talk talk another level of talk. But we're also saying, what other interventions? If you look into environmental correction alone, if we just do the environmental rehabilitation in this country, like we said, it's one of the programs that we must look at, we can even just take some of these people and put them there because the resources are there. Those who dug the holes must start hmm. closing them up and doing what we call the post-mining landscaping. Mm. So, so th- those 
opportunities are there and we are talking about them. Hmm. We've got a forum where government, unions, and the, the industry are talking, we call it the mining industry development, and, and the uh, make that mining industry growth, development, and employment task team, which was formed during the crisis times to try and save jobs. We are using the same platform to be able to do this. You look into other jurisdictions, we are told that in Australia already, they lost, uh, they lost close to 20,000 jobs. In the States, 15,000. We're not there yet. We don't want mm. to go there because we're activists. We're not just sitting back, armchair critics. We are doing something on it. Okay. We invite South Africans to, uh, to adopt the same posture of saying, yes, South Africans, dialogue helps. Let's talk about our problems and resolve them. Well, Ross, very briefly, uh, I don't know if you heard the response of uh, the Deputy Minister, Godfrey Oliphant. Yeah, but unfortunately, very yeah, little, Benjamin. Yeah, sure, I'm sorry about that. But I need us to move on a little bit also to another area. Just briefly as we wrap it up, there's been issues around this concern also of job losses. And also we know that brings this uh, uh, kind of uh, response and outrage over uh, the, the safety of these jobs. And also that three mine workers were trapped underground in the Vittage Gold Lenny Mine in Pumalanga also sent a bit of uh, uh, really uns- like uh, voices that were really unhappy about the safety of, of mines. That's also another issue that has been brought forward. And also this comes from this background and backdrop of the Marikana history that we saw in, in South Africa. Ross, if we're going to put the interests of the miners forward and see that the, the actually the mines themselves care about the miners, uh, what do we need to do in, in this country to, to actually get some form of uh, reconciliation, especially because we know that the, with labor and uh, the mines themselves, there has been a huge chasm between the two of them. Uh, absolutely, Benjamin. Sorry, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and in mm. fact, uh, what, what you find at present is uh, that mm. reconciliation will be even more difficult to be in the context of any of Restructuring mm. is inevitable in the context. Well, uh, sure. you know, whether we like it or shareholder returns, uh, shareholder interests often trump uh, local economic interests. I think companies need to take a longer view. Uh, I think that they need to convince their shareholders that they need to just hang in there uh, until commodity prices do recover, if, if indeed they, they will. And as I said, I think copper and platinum are good bets. Um, but this question of how we bestow dignity on workers is crucial. And that is ultimately a question of leadership. And I think you have to accept that for many South African mining companies on the ground at an operational production level, uh, the ethos of the companies for a host of reasons has arguably not changed very much uh, since never part of that. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. and we can't... Sure. Uh, there's a hierarchical structure well, you're breaking up there, Ross. I'm sorry, but we're struggling with that line once again. Um, let, 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 I think I get kind of a sum of what you're saying there, Ross. So let me move this on to, to you, Deputy Minister. You know, your, your thoughts around just in two minutes or so, how we can actually find that accountability. Uh, Ross is speaking about leadership, uh, sense of also transformation, the way we see, uh, you know, the miners themselves. Your thoughts around some of the issues coming with labor and the, the labor, uh, you know, uh, gap, I can say, between labor and, uh, and, the, and the mining owners. How can we see some form of conversation that's more constructive, especially now in 2016? 
Laurent, that, that, that dialogue is continuing all the time. Yeah. When it comes to issues of labor, we've got a framework agreement in place that involved all the unions uh, and, and, and employers and government to find stability in the labor market. So that's happening. Uh, so the leadership and transformation issues are part of our, our on our radar screen. We're doing that almost every day. Mm. Uh, the question, but we must also say that we are engaging serious investors and they, they are using their dollar to vote to invest in development of new mines and also maintaining others to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got no issue with that. But the, the resources in this country, mineral resources here, yeah, don't just, uh, it's not just about investors. So they belong to the people of South Africa. They have a say. That's why we are there to regulate them, to ensure that the workers get a fair deal, the communities around mining get a fair deal, in South Africa gets a fair deal. The mining companies are paying their taxes, etc., etc. And we deal with issues of transfer pricing and all those things. Mm. We've got to deal with all these things going forward. Mm. So it's not just about the investors are the number one people. They are, we respect them. They are number one. We want investment. But it can't be at all costs, at the expense of uh, safety, at the expense of this, that, and the other. Mm. It has got to be balanced. Yeah. We have to balance these things going forward. That's our responsibility. Well, it's a tough so job for you, Minister. Issue. Sure. But we, I think it's something, it's a challenge that we have accepted. Sure, sure. Let, let's try and put Marikana behind us. Mm. Marikana is behind us. We've learned our lessons. We've got to move forward with the commissions and the recommendations that came thereafter. Mm. Mm. As we speak, we know the working and the living conditions of workers were bad and so on. We have built 500 new houses there in Marikana. So there is progress. Mm. If you look into the platinum belt, there's a lot of development happening. And we can't paint all the mines with the same brush. Mm. Some mine, mining companies have done exceptionally well in terms of the living and working conditions of workers. Others are lagging behind. Mm. So well, we have to let it go there, Deputy Minister. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but uh, I have to let you go. And I, I thank you for that particular conclusion that you had in terms of your sentiments. And thank you as well for making time for us. That's South Africa's Deputy Minister of uh, the Department of Mineral Resources, Godfrey Oliphant. Thank you for making time for us, Ross Harvey. Most thank welcome you. Welcome and thanks for your attention. Sure. Thank you to Ross Harvey as well, the senior researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs. I'm sorry that I lost you there a little bit, Ross. But hey, this is live radio. Sometimes it's not as glamorous as uh, uh, programmed uh, radio. But thank you for giving us your time. Thank Thank you, Benjamin. Great. And uh, hey, what are your thoughts as well on this interesting conversation we we having here? Give us your views. SMS us on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Didn't cover whole of everything that we wanted to cover. You know, when you speak about mine, you're speaking about minimum wage salary. Has that been researched? Has that been financing the health of employees? You know, so there's a lot of issues that uh, need to be dealt with. But uh, that just shows you the complexity of uh, what's happening there at the mining in Daba. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with our economics news. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views, and great African entertainment. Bonjour à tous. Merci encore une fois d'être sur Channel Africa. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance.
Misan is standing by to give us our business news. Thanks, Benjamin, and good morning. We start off in Nigeria, where Finance Minister Kemi Adiason says Nigeria's decision to collect the government payments in one bank account will help limit state borrowing to reduce payment delays and curb corruption. Last year, President Muhammadu Buhari ordered the merger of state accounts into one single treasury account at the central bank to reduce graft and a practice where the government borrowed back its own funds from lenders at an interest. An official says the Nigerian government and other state bodies operated more than 10,000 bank accounts with commercial lenders in the past. The world-class Sankofa Nyame field aimed at increasing Ghana's electricity supply by 50% is making significant progress. Ghana's National Petroleum Corporation says the field, which is Ghana's third oil and gas field, will produce 180 million standard cubic feet of gas daily, sufficient to generate approximately 1,100 megawatts of electricity. The first gas is expected in February 2018, in addition to 30,000 barrels of oil daily to be produced from August next year. Rwanda has made several attempts over the years to help boost uh, people's earnings and uh, living standards to spare national development. The National Sericulture Center says one intervention was the introduction of sericulture, an agro-based industry that involves uh, the rearing of silkworms. Introduced over 10 years ago, sericulture is one of the non-traditional sectors aimed at diversifying the agricultural industry. The Brazilian mining and metals giant Vale is selling a stake in its African co-operations to the Japanese trading company Mitsui and Company in a deal with worth about 950 million US dollars. The sale comes after commodity prices, both for local and for Vale's metal exports, fell sharply. Counting both cash and future investment, Mitsui will pay 638 million US dollars for a 13, 14% stake in a Moatai's coal mine in Mozambique. And finally, General Motors have, has temporarily suspended its operations in Egypt due to a currency crisis. Import-dependent Egypt has been in economic crisis since a 2011 uprising and subsequent political turmoil drove foreign investors and tourists away. Dollar reserves have more than halved to 16.4% since then. That's how it's looking this hour, back in an hour's time with another update. Well, let's quickly move on and uh, get our sports from Figali Lingwati. In our sports update, this hour is starting off with athletics. The Kenya National Track and Field Governing Body Athletics Kenya will this weekend host the IAAF sanctioned national cross-country trials. The trials will also serve as the IAAF permit meeting with neighboring six countries set to participate. Channel Africa's Francis Mutegi reports from Nairobi, Kenya.
Kenya will be picking the team for the Africa Cross Country Championships in Yaoundi, Cameroon, set for March 12, 2016. All eyes will be on reigning world cross country champions Jafet Koreo, Emily Chebet, and Faith Kipiegon at the 20th Athletics Kenya National Championships, the final meeting in the IWF Cross Country Permit Series in Nairobi on Saturday. The senior men's 12-kilometer race will attract big names, including the 2011 World Junior Cross Country Champion Jeffrey Kipsanka Moror, the fastest marathoner ever Jeffrey Mutai, and world 5,000-meters bronze medalist Isaiah Kowech. The British Olympics Association and the Japan Olympics Committee says athletes' participation in the Rio Olympics would not be affected by increasing concerns over the Zika virus. Speaking at the Aijimunomoto Training Center in Tokyo, Lord Sebastian Koh, who is IWAF president and also chairman of the British Olympics Association, reiterated the enthusiasm among British athletes for the forthcoming Games. British athletes are not reluctant at all to compete in Rio. We have a proud tradition of having been at every Olympic Games uh, since 1896, winter and summer. Uh, and all the British competitors are looking forward to it. And yes, the the current uh, the current uh, uh, issue is one that all national Olympic committees will be dealing with, and we're speaking and working very very closely with the organising committee and other agencies in uh, in Rio. And in football news, the men overseeing FIFA's presidential polls should step aside due to conflict of interest. This, according to the Liberian Football Association president, Musa Biliti. Domenico Scala, who heads up FIFA's ad hoc electoral committee, is Swiss-Italian. So is Gianni Infantino, one of the five presidential candidates. Scala excused himself from the 2015 elections as he shared nationality with a candidate, Swiss Blatter. Billy says he will go to the court of arbitration for sport if Scala does not withdraw by Thursday. And on to cricket news, South Africa will be out to save their series when they battle against England at the Supersport Park in Pretoria in the third ODI on Tuesday. This comes after the protests were humbled by the tourists in the first two matches of the series. Hashim Amla, the Pretoria's opening batsman, maintains this that can be achieved by going back to basics. We're a team that we've had seven batters for a long time and it's been very important for those seven batters to take responsibility and, and score the runs for the team and not leave it for number eight, nine, ten and eleven. Um, so that's been our job for the last couple of years. So we hope to, to get back to that and score big runs to, to make it really easier for bowlers if you do bat first and vice versa if you bowl first to, to try and make it easier for everybody else. And finally, the Comrades Marathon Association has issued a powerful warning to potential cheats at this year's Comrades Marathon. The 91st edition of the iconic race will be hosted on the 29th of May. CMA General Manager Chris Fisher has issued a cautionary notice to such runners. He says the issue has been brought to the CMA's attention through allegations raised by a growing number of concerned runners. Fisher says they had to raise their concerns with Guazulu-Natal Athletics. The two organizations will collaborate and make use of additional technologies to highlight irregularities. That's a sport news this hour.
Alright, that's how we wrap it up. Thank you for being part of our African Dialogue community. Remember, you can uh, actually go online and uh, actually be part of uh, the online conversations we're having at African Dialogue as our Twitter handle or at Channel Africa 1. That's the numeric one. Don't forget to go to our Facebook page at uh, Channel Africa. It's simply titled Channel Africa page. So you don't even have to include the word page. Just Channel Africa and you can be part of uh, the family there. Thank you for actually being part of uh, the show today we'll be back uh, tomorrow and still we'll be focusing on south africa tomorrow seems to be a lot of things happening in the country there so uh, we will be looking at uh, another story that focuses on uh, south africa but until uh, tomorrow god bless